Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to New Semester, New Hope. Episode 127 of Finish Well Podcast. We're so excited that you're with us today. Now today, I'm talking about the new year and we're wrapping up the final hours as I'm recording this. (laughs) We're wrapping up the final hours of 2020 and most people are so relieved (laughs) and they're thinking, oh goodness, I'm so glad to see this year go. But truthfully, there have been many worse years (laughs) in history. I remember at the end of 2019, it had been a rough year. And I started out the year with such high hopes. Lord, please, you know, do some miracles here and turn some things around. The economy was booming and our family was healthy. And I had no idea that I would experience so much loss in 2020. I had no idea that four months later, one of my daughters would be fighting for her life and she would have four different surgeries, each one of them. We didn't know if she would make it. And with COVID, I wasn't able to be with her. And our son would get married and (laughs) we wouldn't be able to go to the wedding in another state. We also lost a dear friend, and 2020 was really a year of loss for me, and maybe it was for you too. I'm very, very grateful that we did not suffer financially and that the Lord, you know, allowed our income to continue. That was something I was really grateful for. I'm very grateful for our governor, Rick DeSantis, in the state of Florida, that he did as much as he could to keep the economy open in our state. And it really, I'm just really, really grateful. Um, so as we come to 2021, I, I should be full of gloom and doom, right? Because, oh my goodness, 2020 was so hard and it doesn't look like 2021 is going to get easier. Well, honestly, there are a few things I'm nervous about, but I am full of hope because I know that no matter what happens, Jesus is still on the throne and I trust him. And so 2021 doesn't have to mean that all my dreams come true. And 2021 doesn't mean that there's no sorrow or heartache, but I am full of hope because I'm expecting good things to happen in 2021. And that brings me to something. Why does hope matter? You know, we so much talk about hope and we know that from 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love last forever. We know from Romans 5 that hope, the hope that God pours into our hearts does not disappoint We know from practical experience that hope motivates us to action. If we hope for the good, we work toward the good. Hope brightens our mood. If we have hope, we're full of joy and happiness. And it's also contagious. Hope brings joy to those around us. 
we need hope and our teenagers need hope. And if you're listening and you're a teenager, you need hope. We all need hope. Parents and teens alike, we need hope. And this is the perfect time to take a minute to step back, to sit down Maybe close our eyes and think about some of the things related to hope and how hope can change 2021, but more importantly, how hope can transform our heart and the rest of our life. So the first question we ask is, where is our hope fixed? You know, for many people, when a Republican gets in office, you know, they get all excited. Oh, the stock market's going to go up. And they get really, really happy, and their hope is in a president. Sometimes when, you know, something happens where there's a new, your husband gets a new boss, and you know that boss rewards with with raises, and then your hope is in that boss, that that boss is going to be kind to your husband, or maybe you have a job, and you're hoping that your boss will be kind to you, and you're looking toward your boss, and your hope is in your boss. But see, as Christians, our hope isn't in who is the president. Our hope isn't in our boss. Our hope isn't in the weather. Our hope isn't in where we live, or who is even teaching us or who we're teaching or how smart our children are. Our hope isn't in any of those things. Our hope is in a person. Our hope isn't in fate. Our hope isn't in luck. Our hope is not in our own abilities. Our hope is not in karma. Our hope is in the one who will never change. God is faithful he will complete what he has begun. That's what he says in Philippians 1.9. He will complete the good work he has begun in you. If you're listening right now, I just want you to say that with me. Jesus will complete the good work he has begun in you. Say that again. Jesus will complete the good work he has begun in you. See, God cares about you. He cares about your homeschooling. If you're a teen, God cares about your life. God cares about that pimple on your forehead. God cares about who you marry. God cares about the career you choose. God cares about your studies. If you're a parent, God cares about you. He cares about the dreams in your heart. He cares about your children. He cares about helping you to be effective in teaching them. God loves us with an everlasting love that never fades away. You know, our children can hurt us. Our parents can hurt us. Our friends can hurt us. Our enemies can hurt us. We can be so wounded by people. But God always has our best interest at heart and his glory. And God is always working step by step. And when we resist him and we don't trust him, we kind of make things go longer and make things go a little bit harder. So when God said to Abraham, go sacrifice Isaac up on Mount Moriah, we don't see Abraham negotiating with God. Now, I think I would have negotiated with God. Surely you don't mean Isaac. What about my favorite cow? What about my favorite chicken? No, your one and only son that you love. And we can't even comprehend that because 
We are so used to making deals with God. But when we put our hope in God, there's a surrender that comes with that because we know God loves me. He cares about me. He cares that I have a good hope and a good future. He cares that I'm close to him. He cares that I have healthy relationships and all of this stuff. And so whether we're flawed, which I am so, so flawed, I have so many faults, and I'm sure that you feel that way about yourself, but it doesn't matter. God still loves us. He loves what he's doing in our life as well. So all of that is so exciting. And as the new year comes, you know, think about it. Cultures all around the world celebrate the new year. You know, the Chinese welcome the new year with fireworks, and I guess that's kind of where we get the whole fireworks thing at New Year's Eve. But something about a new year, there's a promise and an opportunity to make changes. Yes, it's a brand new year. We can make changes. We can change how things are done, what things are. And it's so exciting. There's new blessings that are going to come. And, you know, I'm I'm expecting a new blessing. One of my closest friends is having a new blessing um, in April. And I am going to have a new granddaughter in July. So I am so excited for my blessings. And there's other blessings too, you know, tangible, like other things, like maybe your garden will produce an amazing crop or, you know, your son will get a scholarship or you'll get a cool job if you're a teen or maybe as a teen you'll get a car or something kind of fun. But also 2021 is going to, and any new year, if you're listening to this years from now, any new year is going to bring us new blessings, but it's also going to bring us new problems. It's going to bring us new challenges. It's going to bring us things that make us say, oh my goodness, this is so difficult. And with those new problems come new solutions and new opportunities. You know, there is never a testimony without a crisis situation. Every testimony you ever hear of, oh, the Lord healed me. Oh, the Lord provided. Oh, the Lord healed my marriage. Oh, the Lord did this. Some kind of miracle. You know where it always starts? We had no money left. We didn't know how we would pay these bills. We were kicked out of our home. What? That's terrible. Why did God allow that? Well... God likes to show off. Sometimes God allows things so that he can come in and save the day. And so what happens when God provides, you know, week after week after week, we don't get really excited. But when we have no money suddenly and then God comes through and provides, it's so exciting. And the same thing when we're thinking about a healing. People who aren't sick don't get healed. People who aren't needy don't get a miracle. And so when you see these problems, when you see these challenges, some problems and challenges, the Lord is going to say, you know what? I gave you this amazing brain and I gave you the word of God and you can have a wisdom and come up with an amazing solution that I'm going to bless. Sometimes God wants to do a miracle. And it's so exciting when these things happen. It doesn't feel that way. Like when these things happen, we don't feel like, oh, wow, this is so fun. We feel like, oh, my goodness, my world is caving in. I don't know what I'm going to do. And if you're like me, you just grab onto Jesus and hold on. So 
that is the new year. The new year has blessings. The new year has problems. That's every new year. And we have just finished a year where not only did many people go through a lot of personal loss, like I know I have, but in addition, as a nation, we went through this weird time and we saw some governments really overstep their authority and we saw like conflicting, you know, it's bad to wear a mask, it's good to wear a mask. I don't know. The only thing I think everyone could agree on in 2021 is that we should all wash our hands more. And maybe that's like the one good thing of 2021. I don't know. But we're going to be right back and we're going to talk about a new semester. With a new year comes a new school semester. We'll be right back. Powerline Productions wants to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus as you homeschool your children. Because of this, we offer a wide variety of books and ebooks about homeschooling as well as homeschool classes like Economics, Finances, and Business. Meredith Curtis designed this class for high school seniors and adults. It takes an intense look at macroeconomics from a biblical, free market perspective and challenges students to apply biblical principles to all aspects of economics and business. Learn more at PowerlineProd.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-L-I-N-E-P-R-O-D.com. Powerline Productions. Being world changers, raising world changers. been listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, I'm Meredith Curtis, and welcome back to Finish Well Podcast, and we're talking about new year and new semester, and what I love is the middle of the year, because, you know, we like school, 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 and all of a sudden Thanksgiving hits, and we're kind of like, ah, the holidays, Christmas is coming, you know, and after Thanksgiving, I mean, honestly, are we really motivated to do school, unless we're doing a Christmas unit study, which you can listen to another podcast and find out about. But otherwise, we just kind of like, we are ready for Christmas and we're like shopping and making things and making gifts and baking and decorating and doing all this fun stuff. And then Christmas is over and it is so sad. But then it's time for a new semester and suddenly we get this excitement back about learning and delving into new things. And I love the new semester. I love starting up school again in January because we've had that break. And we're kind of recharging, and we're getting excited, and I just love it. It's just really, really, to me, an exciting, exciting time, the new semester. And so what can, what, how can you make the new semester a real blessing to yourself and your family? Can you stop in January and evaluate and make changes? Yes. You can do that. You can do that. And it's honestly a great thing to do. You know, like New Year's Day, 
I used to, when I was single, make like tons and tons of goals and I want to do this, I want to do this. And and then I would look back on New Year's Day at my old goals and make new ones. And that was really a blessing to me. Now, once I had five children that sort of got lost in the shuffle, like the goals became, okay, I just want to sleep. <laughs> I just, for a few years, I just want to sleep at night. And then for a while on New Year's Day, I would like take a little time and just evaluate, well, how is the year going? Is it going well? Are we enjoying learning? Are we learning? Are we having fun? I mean, you can tell, you know, my personality, that's an important one. But are my kids growing? in character, in virtue. And sometimes we would take the new semester and we would make some changes. Sometimes we'd change schedules. Sometimes we'd change the furniture around. Sometimes we would organize the schoolroom because we would realize, you know what? We are spending so much time looking for books. We've got to organize the schoolroom. One of the things that saved my life in the middle of one year was I would just, I don't know if you experienced this, but I have a table in my home schoolroom, but my children prefer the dining room table. So I went out and I bought this plastic card at Sam's and it had these drawers that you pull out. And the drawers, you know, they were kind of the size of a cubby hole, like, you know, those little bookcases with cubby holes. And so the drawers pulled all the way out. So I would put each child's stuff in one drawer. So say Jimmy gets up in the morning, he pulls out his drawer. It has everything in it he could possibly need or want, takes it downstairs to the dining room table, does his school, and then when he's done, instead of leaving his school books there until dinner time, he puts them all away and puts the little drawer back in the cabinet. Honestly, that changed our world. And that was something with just evaluating. I thought, I am so tired of cleaning up all this school stuff right before dinner. And all of a sudden, my kids have disappeared like they're on Mars or something. Hey, kids, your school stuff. I don't know where they are. They don't know where they are. They don't hear my voice. (laughs) And so anyway, that was just one of those evaluating things. For me personally, it would really make my life nicer to have a system that tidied up a little bit effortlessly. And so that was just something that in evaluating the new semester, I remember one time in January, I was teaching at a homeschool convention, just a small one. And um, this woman came up to me and she was looking at my Bible curriculum and she said, I love this. I love this. I want to get it. I want my son to do it. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, but I can't buy it. And I said, why? And she said, because of the way you have it laid out, it starts with September, but I would be starting in January. And so I just can't do it. And I was thinking, are you kidding me? I would just take a marker, scratch out September and put January, but she was serious. And um, it just made me realize like sometimes we can straightjacket ourselves and think, oh, I could never start a new course in January. But you know, you can really, you have so much freedom. And sometimes freedom is scary sometimes to us, right? We just want sometimes to be really regimented. But you could actually do a course in a semester and do like less courses and just have them take a semester. Now, I wouldn't recommend that for math or science because they tend to be harder. But sometimes electives, that's really fun to do. So you have 
a semester elective, or you could even start a new course, and it could run from January to January. You're not bound by rigid time because you're homeschooling, and that's sort of freeing to realize, you know, when it comes to January, you can start a new course. So what about changing curriculum? Because sometimes we realize when we're evaluating that the curriculum is is not working. Now, let me just say a caveat before we talk about this, because I believe with all my heart, the most important thing is not the curriculum, it's the teacher and the student. And a lot of times when people say curriculum doesn't work, it's more than they're not doing it the right way. You know, the author says, do this and this and this, and they're, you know, skipping this and skipping that, and then they're struggling. Well, curriculum, you know, it's not like you have to do every single thing the author says, but if, you know, everything is building on each other, then you need to make sure you're at least getting enough so that they're going to get what you need out of it. Sometimes curriculum doesn't work because of a personality thing. Like, I am a real book person, so we read tons out loud, but I wasn't a real hands-on person. And so even in co-op, like I'll come up with all these great ideas, but I usually delegate them to someone else to actually do them. So that's just me. You know, I'm not a super hands-on person. But so I would not do well with a curriculum that was completely hands-on. I would need something with, but I would do great with all living books because that's, you know, what I love. So sometimes we just realize, wow, this is not working for me, the teacher, or this is not working for me, the team. Like, this is just boring. It's dry. And I want to learn history. But mom, could I please switch to a different history curriculum for the rest of the year? And and you might have an old history textbook laying around. Or maybe you could say, okay, for the rest of the years, like we're at the Civil War now, we're studying American history, we could just use living books for the rest of the year, and that's how we'll do history. So there's so many possibilities. So yes, you can change curriculum in the middle of the year. You may not need to, but if you do need to, that is a good idea. I know my daughter... We had used Saxon math, which I love Saxon math. It does so much repeating and it keeps kids knowing stuff. But my daughter just did not do well. So I changed curriculum. And then again, we were like, I was thinking, do I change curriculum again? When it hit me, she needed a teacher. Like she needed someone explaining it to her. So I actually got her a tutor. And that was actually my friend, Laura. We just kind of, you know, traded helping each other's kids. But that was such a blessing because she really needed that hands-on instruction, that hands-on teacher. So for for us, it wasn't even a matter of changing a book. It was just a matter of changing how we taught. Um, and another thing, if you're at the beginning of a new semester, consider living books and I know that when my son called me at Christmas, he's out in Colorado now. He's an engineer for Lockheed. And he called me and he said, you know, Mom, one thing I think about all the time, and I this is what I thought. I thought, he's going to say how loving I am, snuggling up and reading a good book. Or, you know, I'm just I'm just waiting, like I'm paused waiting. And he says, you know that book we read in economics class? <laughs> I was like, so disappointed. <laughs> but it was this book I found, Economics in One Easy Lesson by um, Henry Hazlitt. 
And he said, I think about that all the time. I'm listening to people and I'm thinking, Mom, every person in Congress should read this book. And we, we agreed, yes, every person in Congress should read this book and understand economics. It's, he said, it's like none of them. None of them understand economics. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of true. But he's, he went on and he said, Mom, thank you so much for the books that you chose for me to read in economics and other classes. But really... I just feel like I grasp things. And it was because when we do economics, and if you, you, if you've used my economics class, you know, we use a lot of living books. And the living books take dry economic principles. They're not really dry. They're actually very exciting, but usually written up in a dry way. And in a living book, they come alive and they make sense. And so that is just one thing you might consider as you're changing the semester is doing living books. Another thing you might consider is enjoying literature with the book club. Instead of writing book reports, get together and have a book club. And my kids have really enjoyed that. And in our homeschool co-ops, we've really enjoyed talking about books. And then finally, like a new semester is perfect for a life skills class. And, you know, in a class like homemaking, like I have a year homemaking class, but it would be really easy for a mother and daughter to pick up that book and just go through the book and choose what they want to do for a semester and have it be a semester class. So there is so much opportunity with the new semester, and I really encourage you. I know New Year's Day has passed, and I said that, you know, I'll usually take some time and evaluate New Year's Day, but... There's always time to sit down and evaluate. There's always time to sit down and say, Lord, give me wisdom. Show me what would be great to change and what would be great to just continue and persevere. And I just want to wish you from the bottom of my heart to every person listening and everyone in your families, all your beloveds, Happy New Year. May God bless you and keep you. May he prosper you with good health, with provision, and with a closeness to him. I will talk to you next time. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.